I feel like when I lived in our previous home, I wasted a whole lot of time just really not liking my kitchen at all. It had these blue square tiled counters with grout in between that was 25 years old. It never stayed clean. It had wood trim around it. When the kids would do homework on it, it would poke right through the papers at all the little grout lines. You couldn't roll cookies out. You couldn't really do anything that required using the counters as a flat surface. Now, in the grand scheme of things, that is fine. We had a wonderful home. It gave us a ton of blessings in our family and so many good memories. But I wasted a whole lot of time really hating those counters. And it's dumb when you think about it. Now, I did try to be grateful and I'd go in spurts where it was fine, it was fine, it was fine. And then, you know, I'd look at the counters and really hate them. But I want to share this because I know there's so many parts of our home some days that we get frustrated with and we wish they were different and we wish they looked different or they functioned different. And it can be so draining on us and it can really, when we think about it, get in the way of how we want our family to live and how we want our home to be a place of refuge and a place of rest and really just enjoy it. That is why I wanted to bring our next guest on today. You are going to fall in love with her just like I have when I met her through my friend Kimberly Amici's podcast, who she's been on here before with Build Your Best Family. And then I started following this guest on Instagram and I love the way that she is constantly encouraging us to build our homes to work for us and our family and not be for anyone else. Paige Ryan is a wife and mother of four. She is a design consultant, home coach, and author of two books, Love the House You're In and Revived and Renovated. She was an on-camera designer for the HGTV hit show, Hidden Potential for five seasons, and also appeared on the show, Curb Appeal. Paige draws from her recovery journey, her walk of faith, and her family life and helping us all to develop our own personal aesthetic for our home and wants to inspire others to view their home as a sacred place and a refuge. I know you are going to feel inspired to love your home in a whole new way after sitting with Paige. Come along, friend. Let's grow. You know those days where you just feel so overwhelmed and tired from all the busy and you just want to multiply the time you do have to create more time for intentional words and family dinners and quality time together? And do you just need to know that you really can keep your family close and your faith strong in today's world? Welcome to Families That Stick Together. Just step right over the random pile of clothes, turn right past the paper still out from last week's school project, maybe don't look at the sink, and make yourself at home, friend. I'm your host, Jennifer, wife to my high school sweetheart, mama four, and creator of Together Moments, where we took our same worries and figured out the answer to slowing down, keeping family time a priority, and creating deep connection through solid communication, even among all the busy. The answer is to gather moments, and we want to come alongside your family as you lay your foundation. If you're ready for time to slow down, intentional moments to overflow, and all of this to feel easy, 
easy in your real life, then welcome, friend, with your laundry, your running shoes, or your cup of coffee. I can't wait to spend my time with you. And now my mom, who doesn't like to play the board game Life with us, Jennifer Zumbio. Yeah, Anna, I cannot stand that game. Do you like to play it? I love it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Paige, welcome to Families That Stick Together. I am really, really excited to meet you myself, but also to introduce you to our listeners. So thank you for being here. Oh, thank you for having me, Jennifer. It's such a joy to connect with you and to just, I think we're kindred spirits, so I can't wait to get into this. Uh, I do too. I'm, I'm really excited to get to know you. So let's just jump in. One thing I have heard you say is search your heart, your mind, your memories to make your house a home you love and one that will love you back. This is so beautiful and something that we all desire for our family. I know we do. So tell us why you have a passion for helping others achieve this for themselves. Where does this part of your story begin, Paige? Well, that's a great question. And I have always loved home stuff. Like I've always loved color and texture and form and I was the one that went to Girl Scout camp and I, I was so excited to make my bed because I brought one pink sheet, one blue sheet and one yellow sheet. And I was just, gonna, I was, just, I just wanted to be in the cabin. I, I was like horrified when they came to get me and we're going to go camp hike or something like that. So I've always been, I've always had such a heart for space and color and, 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 and just, or, you know, space. And that's, I've learned biologically that that's in us, you know, that's in us as women, that we are biologically attuned and sensitive to our immediate surroundings. And so that's just been in me in, in, like a force. And I think I've always been, you know, I was interested in my own home and my husband and I, we worked on houses and flipped houses before it was even a thing before that was even a word. And we bought, you know, the ugliest, most horrible, smelly house on the block and fixed it up and lived in it. And I just loved, loved, loved the process. And then my career, you know, took kind of a wild turn. And I had this stint on HGTV where I worked on a show where we were supposed to help people that were looking for a house, how to find, how to make a house that was on the market, fit them and suit them. And I just felt like the narrative of the network and the narrative of the marketplace was like, oh, you, first of all, you don't know. And um, we'll tell you based on what's available for sale, what the house (laughs) should have in it and what, how, what the house should look like based on what the real estate market says or what real estate listings say and so forth. So it was really at that time, like my love for the home and love and and my understanding of how important it is with watching consumers and watching homeowners really struggle and also be put on the back burner. Like they, their, their, their story and who they were was not even in the conversation. It was just about the house and its problems and then what people were selling. And there's just, there's just so much more to it than that. You mentioned something, Paige, you said women are biologically attuned and sensitive to our surroundings. So tell us how, what you do, um, like your mission really, how this just gives you such a heart for busy families in particular. So I am, I set out to be a famous designer. So this is before I found my faith, before I, my life changed really radically, but I just was raised to be ambitious and just make lots of money and find a career. I tried to be a banker that just didn't work because I, I don't have those skills. I don't have those charisms, but I have always loved designs. So I'm like, I'm going to go, I just want to go to be a famous designer. I want to just shoot to the moon with my career. 
And alongside this ambition um, was also, I'm in 12-step recovery. So I really have been humbled uh, by my own brokenness. And that's actually where I came to know God is, is through 12-step uh, programs, AA, OA, DA, I could list them. But I bring that up because I learned that at home is where we heal. At home is where we grow. At home is where we really develop our relationship with God. You can do it in church and you should, but at home, we're, we're at home more. <laughs> and the home is a place of faith too. It's the domestic church. So, I, so this, the idea of home became so important to me beyond my career. Um, and then I'm just interested in how things came to be. I read a book called the male brain because I have three sons and that book talks about literally the neurobiology to explain the difference in the male brain and the female brain. There are biological differences, despite what we <laughs> sometimes get confused about. And the female brain is just more in tune because of our survival, you know, even as, um, you know, you know before as humans were developed, to the, to the interior space, to the safety and the nurturing of the children, to the home and men are more in tune for a wider area. So that's, that's just, that's true. And, and I think it makes sense. I see it over and over and over again, working with couples where um, women and men and women have a, just in a different approach to the home. But I, I just think that, you know, we have grown in, 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 in a passion for the home, as I know how important it is, it's beyond beauty <laughs> and beauty is important. God gave us beauty. He wants us to be surrounded by beauty, but it's well beyond the beauty and the exterior affirmation that you get from a beautiful designed home. Like, I think I started there. I wanted that too, but I've come to understand really through my faith and through my recovery, the importance of the home, the sort of the, how vital and, and sacred it, it, it is to our, to our lives. Yes. That is what exactly why I want you here, Paige. I, you have such a beautiful story to share. Thank you for giving it to the world. That sounds cliche, but we do sit here every day and we can feel distracted by what the world tells us we should be doing with our home or in our home or running here, running there. And our home should be a sanctuary for us. It should be that place where we do build our domestic church. And what does that mean? And are we even stopping long enough to do that and know what that means for our family? So, so much of what you do is that that piece of identifying that within ourselves and the, the understanding of who we are and our stories that we want to tell, but a lot of it is home decorating. So before we jump into any of that kind of talk, I'd love for you to speak to the mom sitting here with us today who feels like she has no ability to, to decorate or that she'll never be able to have a mantle that looks like her neighbors or she can't figure out how to choose decorations. So she feels embarrassed to have people over. Tell her why she really can change her perspective on how the aesthetics of her home serve her family instead of sitting on comparison or discouragement. So I hear this because I was that mom and I, even though I've always had um, sort of a desire and, and some gifts creatively to, to, to put things together. I, I still, the insecurity and the deep desire to make it measure up has always been with me. So, and it's sort of a, a never enough story that even when I made my house beautiful, but, but this house is too small and even, you know, or, or this is not in the right block or so forth. So first of all, I want to say to that mother um, that's listening, your primary work is not to design your interior. Your primary work is not to decorate your home. That is not primary work. That isn't even secondary work. I mean, we can debate about the primary work of vocation. And 
um, lot, you know, our vocation, I'll speak for myself. My vocation is, is a wife and a mother first wife, first mother, second, that takes up a lot of time, space, energy, and focus. And rather than say, well, the house doesn't matter. It does matter, but I'm directed by my vocation rather than saying, well, the house has to have things grouped in threes and drapes in this way. And this kind of composition, because that's what interior design says. All of a sudden interior design is living in my house as if it's as important as the marriage or the family. It's not. So the first thing is, I think we could all take a deep breath and understand we have been told that it is so important to have this gorgeous home, well-appointed home, et cetera, but it is not your primary work. Um, And that a lot of times we need to stop looking like I think, and I could get even teary talking about this, but when I think about our grandparents, my grandmother, she did not, she was very confident in her home. She wasn't a decorator. She wasn't a designer. I wouldn't say that she had like an, like an extraordinary knack for putting things together, but she loved her home. She, she, she did, she was so confident. It was beautiful. It was warm. And part of it is that she did not look at other people's houses all day. <laughs> you know, she had probably the leave it to beaver set and, and, and uh, the, I love Lucy set and then her neighbor. And that was it. And so part of it is we really compare ourselves to other people's home. We're literally comparing our lives to someone else's stuff. If you see a family together and they love each other and the husband and wife are in, in perfect communion and the kids are a delight or whatever. Okay. I, that's God maybe showing you a family reality that maybe um, is something you could work towards, but I can't think of another circumstance where we should ever compare. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I want to compare my living room to somebody else's stuff. Um, and I, but I think that's a function of Instagram and, and all the, the apps that we have and all of the shopping, we're constantly shown so many things to buy um, that I think it's set up almost like just an, um, an, more of an emotional problem than anything else. And the people that come to me that want to work for me are usually pretty upset and lost and distraught at where they are. And so working through that, um, I think that's the first part of it is a mindset. I think you brought that up, Jennifer, and that's really what it is first. What a fantastic way to just say our, our primary work is not to decorate our home. That's what you said. And our vocation is wife first, mother second, and stop comparing. Thank you for saying that it, it goes along with, well, your Instagram, you you do so many beautiful videos on there. Thank you for sharing those. And one that had me in tears the other day was you were talking about making our home a refuge from the outside world. And it, it, it really took me in because I, I feel that way so much. I was practically screaming yes <laughs> to you through the, the screen, but this is how we need to look at our homes. We are moving at such a fast pace that we have got to set up our homes as a place of rest. Share with us how your experiences of physically going into so many homes have really confirmed this for you. I know you talked about this a little at the beginning, but I'd love to hear how, how this just really made you see, yes, this is the way it's got to be. We're all kind of getting it wrong here when we look at our homes as just a place to decorate and show off or whatever. Well, and I think just as it's, as women are biologically sort of programmed to be interested and attuned to the area, we're also, and this is, I think, part of our brokenness, sensitive to needing exterior validation and feedback and wanting to get the check mark that we've done a good job. It's very hard as a woman 
to know, are we doing our job is, you know, we don't get a paycheck as a mom, as a wife, you know, some days it's great. Sometimes it's very, very hard. And so the idea that someone would come in and say, oh my gosh, your house looks great. Like who doesn't want that? But I think we're, we're that sort of brokenness, we lose sight. We lose sight of the primary job of the home, which as you, as you said, and we've talked about is to be a refuge. It is the inside world. We've got the outside world, which has all its warts and horribleness and <laughs> positive and there's beautiful things too, but it's a mixed bag. The inside world is truly a sacred place. I found this, I came, so it came to mind that the home is a sacred place even before I really had a faith life, because I know in my recovery, it's where I could find, you know, where I developed and sort of sobriety and where I sort of began to work a life without my substances and so forth. And so I, whether you're there or not, the home is where you're, you're connecting with your children. You're, they're learning from you. They're watching everything we do, you know? Um, and it's where they go to, to, for a respite too. I know like, you know, in COVID, I thought about this a lot too, that, you know, my kids were lucky enough to go to school, but they wore a mask all day. And then they were like to come home, take it off, unbuckle their pants and be like, oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that is just, we all do that. We all come in, take off the mask we've been wearing all day, trying to be, pretend to be, I don't know what, relax, you know, feed ourselves, nourish ourselves, put our feet up. You know, I, I think the house has to welcome that, beckon that. I don't know that we have that image in our minds when we're designing a living room. I don't, I don't know what we're thinking, but I, I work with people that I think they're imagining Christmas dinner and they're imagining dinner party and they're imagining book club and they're imagining their neighbor coming over and they're imagining what their mother-in-law would say, but they're not imagining that 10 year old boy coming in the house with that heavy backpack, oh, you know, and that, that happens every single day. And so have you chosen things when you're at home goods with that boy in mind? Probably not. And I don't say that to condemn or judge. Cause I, 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 have not always had that boy that my child in mind when I'm thinking about my house, but I am more and more because now 14 years into motherhood, that is the majority of our life. It's the child coming in, the tired husband coming in, my daughter who had a bad day, you know, uh, even my son who didn't have a bad day, but he's tired and he's just delighted to be home and eat and, you know, be himself. I don't know if that made sense. <laughs> yes, it did. That That's such a sweet way though, to think of our home instead of how will this space serve us for Christmas dinner? How will this serve us here? How will it just serve us in those everyday moments where, yeah, like our kid needs to come up and sit down and talk to us about something, or we need to give a hug, or we need to celebrate uh, an awesome day or whatever it is. And I, I love, this is why I love you. I'm so good. I hope everyone goes and follows you at the very least, just to feel inspired by you. And one of the things that you highlighted in that Instagram post that I was just mentioning was that we need to set aside the lies we are told by the outside world about what our home should look like on the inside. Please talk to us about these lies that are ultimately the enemy deceiving us and keeping us from creating space for our family to grow into what God desires for us. That is a great question. And I have become very ranty on Instagram because I, I have, I don't know if it's anger, but I have a frustration with the status quo and, and sort of what has come about in our culture as a result of sort of materialism and the marketplace. And, um, and so the biggest lie is that you are your house. That's the biggest line. Of the world. You're not your house. You're not your, your, the value of your home is not your value. How the house projects to the outside world is not how you project. 
and we've really connected them. I know where we live, of real estate values are ridiculous. I, I mean, uh, like interplanetary. It doesn't make any sense. Like, it doesn't make any sense. And so I think we have, you know, sometimes there isn't very much money left over to do anything once you've purchased. Certainly, the case with us when we bought this house, we could do nothing but paint. And so then there's like, first you might be happy to get the house, but then you're like, ah, oh, but you know, and you're just too, I don't know whether it's enmeshing. I don't know what the psychological term is, but people really are like just too, too connected to the, their value, connecting their value to the value of their home. And that you're, as I said, this is not your primary work. I also think once we take that pressure off, you are not your home. You cannot compare someone else's things to your whole life. We actually are freed up a little bit to be a little more creative. And again, when we're focusing inward, we're again, a little bit freed up to be a little more creative and a little bit more gutsy to go our own way. I think the setup is that um, not only are you your home, line number one, but line number two, you really needed to look like that, look like the world. You know, I don't know if you've ever read Screw Tape Letters by C.S. Lewis, but I read that this summer. And it's, some people think it's a little bit of a dark book, but it's a dark a book written basically from the perspective of the devil. And one of the, and it has a lot that's incredibly jarring and whatever, but one piece really stuck out to me, which is this idea that the devil wants to arrange it so that the world dictates what you like. The world dictates. We want everybody to be looking outward to figure out what they like. And that actually is where we are. We are, people are looking online, on Instagram, on uh, different shop websites to figure out what they like rather than deciding that first and then trying to go find it. And so I think, and again, I don't mean to be overly dramatic about mentioning the devil and so forth, but I do believe there are some dark forces that are trying to grab our attention and even kind of thrust us into presenting the, creating a house that is about the world. It's not about the world. It's not about the world. It is, it is, it, there's, we just have more work to do than that. And again, I think it comes as being a big distraction, causes a lot of discontent. The women that have a charism for decorating and color and have a little bit more knack of it, run with it. By the way, I think they can also be very distracted, but the women that don't have that end up feeling such despair and despondency. They might be the most incredible women and mothers and caretakers and ministers and, and, you know, do I have all the other gifts, but because they don't have that, they end up feeling so bad, um, which I hate to see. <laughs> I hate that. And I, I think what you're saying makes sense when we think about homes that we've been into ourselves, we can walk into a home that with the first thought might be completely messy and dirty, but it's our best friend's home. And we sit there and we don't care. And you say, I really don't care that your house is messy. I just want to be with you. And, and that friend makes you feel welcome and loved on. And you leave feeling so fulfilled and like you were just given so much and you don't leave thinking, wow, she really needs to get a grip on those dishes, you know? And, and when we think about that stuff, we can kind of bring it back to ourselves. I mean, I've been in that place too, in my head, like, oh, I have to have my house look in this certain way. Or, um, when someone comes over or we can't invite people over because the house is always a disaster or whatever it might be. And where really it's more about what is, what is it doing for our family and the playroom in the front that currently has all the Legos scattered all over. It's because they're working on all their creations and they're each designing their home. And when someone walks in, they think, wow, that is crazy, but really it represents my kids picking all their pieces to have all their certain rooms and their houses they're designing because they're all playing together after school doing that. And that's 
that messy playroom is beautiful for us. And I think we need to remember that as moms. And that's not to say, right, that that stuff doesn't drive us crazy sometimes. And that's normal as well. But convincing ourselves what it is actually bringing for our family is good too. Thanks for reminding us of that. Yeah, I I love that. And I want to say that if I could go back six years to the day we moved into this house, I would have made the front, our front living room, a Lego room. I, and I, re- I mean that I really mean that. And I would like for everyone to learn from my mistake um, that I, I tell this story often that when I first moved into this house, there was a formal living room right off the front door. And as soon as I saw that, I knew exactly what I was going to do. I knew exactly from a design perspective, what it needed. It needed to be dark and moody and sultry and adult. I was going to have a backlit bar. I'm sober by the way, but I was, I already saw it. I was like, I'm going to have a backlit bar. I'm going to have really soft furnishings. I'm going to have these built-ins are going to be covered with interesting things. I'm going to have this beautiful glass, glass coffee table. I'm going to do it. I did it all. It was my first project and my boys would walk in and I would go, Oh my God. Because I, I knew I wasn't going to have a house where kids were not allowed to go in rooms. I grew up with that. I was not going to have that. And not only was I having a heart attack when they went in, that was one part, but also we had nowhere else to go. So I don't have a huge basement. I have a family room, but I, I, I needed this living room. They needed it. We needed it. So then COVID happened and we tried to make it a homework room. That was a mistake too. I couldn't, that didn't work. And so I was very, I was sort of humbled to kind of completely remake this space for who we really are and what we really do. Okay. Who, who we really are and what we really do. And so now the room is an Xbox room. I hate Xbox, but it is our reality. Our kids, our kids like Xbox. It is our NFL room. I don't even like football, but that's that the, the kids, the boys do. And it is also our family, family uh, movie time. My son made this movie of an RV trip we took and we all watched it with our dearest friends. And I'm like, this room is awesome. You know? So I, you know, again, I, I was humbled by my own. And again, my skill went this way, but my vocation was over here and they weren't together. And I think that's, that's why the vocation has to drive the decisions, not the, not even the skill or not, or or the desire or the vision board or whatever. And so anyway, that's, that's my story of of my room. I think that's a great story of sharing with us any, like how to, I don't know, not live with regret either. Right. Cause we could design our, our houses in a certain way and then regret that later. Like you said, I wish I would have done it differently. And like anything in our motherhood journey, we can start fresh and, and do something else. So now you're serving your family with the Xbox NFL room. <laughs> yes. Fortunately, unfortunately. And I kind of like think a big part of parenting is accepting who God gave you. I think we could, we could have kept football and Xbox from my sons and they would want to do it somewhere else. Anyway, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, that's just like, you know, I wish I thought I was going to have poets and artists and, but I didn't, I don't have that. So yeah, no, it is. It is. And I can't, I mean, I hear it every day, a thousand times a day, and I still need to hear it. The time goes quickly. My son is now in high school. He was just a Lego playing little kid about to break the glass coffee table like yesterday. And so I mean it when I say I, and I, I, I mean it, I wish I made that room empty when we first got here and let him ride a scooter. And, um, I don't know, put a wrestling mat in there. I mean, I really mean that because I wasn't in line with, with what God's plan was for our family at all. And it's very humbling to look back on that anyway. Oh, thanks for sharing that with us. I love how Paige has taken time to talk about using our vocation and not wasting it and really bringing that into our home more and noticing it and not getting caught up 
in the comparison out there, one of our greatest vocations, one of your greatest vocations as mother to your children is to speak those words that matter. And I know you can get to the end of the day and think, oh my gosh, did we even have that connection I wanted? We were fighting at breakfast, you know, we argued after school about the homework and we rushed out of here off to practice right after dinner. And I feel like that didn't really go as planned. We all need our home to be that refuge and we need moments that feel like rest and refuge. I want to hand you that so that you can empower yourself and your own family to create those in the small moments you already have. When the day does get crazy and full of unexpected things that you didn't really want to be in there, you know that you can grab your Together stickers and just connect and you can do it so quickly. And I want this for you guys. At Christmas this year, it is such a great time to just center ourselves and create that space in our home for that deep connection and those meaningful words to be spoken. Grab your together for Advent. You will be so thankful when you get through those 25 days by December 25th. And you know that you can look back and think of all those conversations you were able to create around what really matters for the season. Your faith in Jesus and being a family and knowing how your faith fits into your family, but making it such a natural conversation, making it just happen. Go to togethermoments.com, order yours, and you will be able to begin that by December 1st. This bonus question with Paige comes to us from Together for Advent. Name a time you have been nervous to do something even though you knew it had to be done. Giving birth. <laughs> I mean, I I was a huge baby. I could tell I was going to have an enormous first baby and I was scared to death, um, but clearly there's only one way. <laughs> and, um, uh, and that happened with all four pregnancies. I thought, oh my goodness, again. Um, and I actually had four long, hard births because I had big babies. My uh, son was 10 pounds, two ounces. He was the biggest, but the other ones were right around there. But again, what a great metaphor for life, right? Something that's hard, but so worth it. And I can relate. I remember finding out we were pregnant with our first baby and being so excited. I turned to Matt and said, I have to get this baby out. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And so I'm six one, and my husband's six four, so we're big. And I was a big baby. I was a 10 pound baby. So I knew that was going to happen. And I actually really wanted to give birth naturally, which I wouldn't recommend <laughs> for a big baby or a first baby would never recommend that. Uh, but I was very determined. And I remember saying to the nurse, like, I was just like, this is awful. And she said, don't worry. I had a, I had a nine pound baby and it was all good. And don't worry. And I said, did you do it without, without the epidural? She said, hell no, <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> um, anyway, but birth stories are quite trick, but, but what, a, again, what a great metaphor, like, you know, God gives us the strength and tools we need. He absolutely does. Paige, I feel like we could sit here all day and talk. Uh, I say that to every guest because I feel like we just dive into that. My listeners are probably like, yes. And if you did, your episodes would be three hours. And that would be awesome because mm. I think we could sit there. We all could. So tell us how working with you or reading your books helps the mom sitting here with us 
feel confident to love the house she's in and feel like she really is serving her family the best way she can with it. Well, first of all, I, if you haven't figured this out by this interview, you'll know if you follow me on Instagram, I don't do this the way other people do it. I, I have a, a countercultural message. I make a lot of designers irritated, although there's a lot that, that there's a lot of people that understand that are my peers that understand that um, the way we're going is, is not serving family life um, and not reality. But I, I think just, first of all, understand it's going to be a different approach. I'm not going to tell you which couch to pick or which color to pick. I'm not just going to sort of regurgitate whatever design answer you're struggling with right now. I'm going to encourage you. It's a lot of internal work. I mean, it's no accident that sort of my perspective came as a result of my growing in faith, my recovery, working on myself, because I think we have to, I think those two journeys are really, really linked. And we think it's just pick a wallpaper, pick a color, pick a couch. Well, you can do that, but I think making the whole home, if it's integrated in who, who we are and where we're going as a human, as a woman, um, I think it's much more fruitful, but it takes a lot of time. We're not going to, you can't check the box in six months and be done or two months, <laughs> I know, or even a year. It takes time. And, you know, my, my books are encouraging just that the focus be on you. And I think in our world, we like to follow like the woman who's got all the answers and that we can emulate, but I don't think God calls us to emulate anybody but Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's so certainly not some famous designer or blogger or Instagrammer. Um, so that just a caveat, I guess, just to say that that is my approach. Um, but I think also it's just a little bit more long lasting because ultimately somebody decides she's not it anymore, or this is not it, or that's over. And I also even feel like there's just less waste and we're a greater steward of resources, steward of our resources when we're sort of drawing from who we really are and something that's lasting for our family, which is going to be with us for the duration. A couple of things you said there were that you help families be fruitful. And this is lasting for our family and it's for the longevity of our family and those values that we want to keep growing instead of trying to live in the moment of what's the hottest new thing we should be keeping up with. No, make it about our families. Paige, thank you for all the gifts that you give us. Before we tell people where they can find you, I want you to share with us, you've already shared with us so much about your own family, but what is the one thing that is helping your family stick together right now? So I think this may sound strange to a lot of people, but it's, um, I force it. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the truth. My older two, 12 and 14, they have a lot of tugs and pulls outward. They really fight me. I want to go out with my friends. I don't need to eat dinner. I'm not hungry. I don't want to go to uncle Matt's house. I don't want to go to my sister's softball game. I don't too bad. And occasionally when I can find a time where they could be with friends instead of that time, I, I, one out of six times, I'll say, okay, but they know most of the time the answer is no, we're having family dinner. We're staying together. We pray together after, after, after dinner, your homework can wait. I mean, it is a force. And I think you know, like people are like, well, I don't want to force it. Well, I think sometimes you have to, because the forces of the outs are a constant. So anyway, I don't, I, that's, <laughs> I guess brute force sometimes with, with bigger boys too. That was such a good answer. No one has said that. I think forcing it in, in the way that you're talking about is amazing <laughs> and something that our family really needs to do that we need to do as parents. We need to step up and just say, yes, this is the way it is. And that is what we're doing because for one, we're the parent <laughs> and for two, we know what those fruits are going to bring us. So I love that. I'm all for the family time, right? But I also <laughs> being, think like not necessarily being 
forced in a bad way, but just saying, this is how it is. This is what our family does together. And yeah. Well, and I also think it's a 12 year old does not know what's best for him. He doesn't, he has preferences. He has desires. Even my 14 year old, he does not know what's best for him. So it's just our job as the adult to say, this is important. And if we don't say it, nobody else is going to say his friends aren't going to say, you should really go home with your family. (laughs) The coach is not going to say you should really be home with your family. I mean, I, I would hope they would, but they won't, you know, they have an agenda and a job with sports. So I think it's just, nobody else is going to do it. And I also have found, we have a forced family dinner, forced fam- fancy family dinner every Saturday night, because that's our night with my oldest son who plays football and they all grumble, but they all like it. They're going to like it even more when I use your stickers. I can tell you that right now, because they're all chatty, but so they're going to like it even more, but they all enjoy it. And they're happy that they're there, but it's getting over that hump of the kind of teen discontent. Yeah, you're right. And when you set it as an expectation, they just know that's what our family does. And they know that's where they're expected to be. And it, it brings them more of that refuge that you want your home to have when our, our table becomes that for them, then they know that they can find safety and consistency. And there's so much that grows our family just because we're offering that piece. And, and that is up to us to provide it, even when we might get some pushback. It is. I mean, I think it's our job to step up to like, they know, like mom sets the table. Like I bring out the nice stuff and the dinner is going to be, if it's not good, it's at least there's a lot of effort put in. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's not a, I don't always crush it, but it's, this is an event, you know, and, and I'm not saying we have to make it fancy or go, but there is like, this is not come to dinner. It's leftovers. No, come to dinner. We're expecting you. We want you here. Um, we're going to linger. There is going to be dessert. Yes. Those are grandma's glasses. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's important. It's festivity. We have this thing and this is a whole nother topic and I know we have to end, but we save the good stuff for guests or Christmas or Christmas parties or adults. The kids can use the good stuff too. You know, and if they break one, which they will, we break something almost every weekend. It's getting use and they understand the good stuff is for them too, which is such, I think, an important lesson. And boys need to learn how to hold a wine glass. <laughs> they need to learn how to hold and use China and, and, and be a good guest. And so I feel like that's a, a good, you know, t- somebody sitting at a table. So that, that's part of my agenda too. Okay. I love that. You just challenged me and I want to challenge everybody sitting here, bring out the good stuff, whether it's the, the plates you never use, the platter you never use, the China, if you have that, the wine glasses. And I'm, I want to challenge everybody, including myself in the next week, set your table with something like that and, and make your family say, what, what's this for? And say, just cause I love you. And we're, it's for you too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and don't overthink it. I just put it out, you know, and I think we we're real afraid of breaking stuff or sometimes we don't want the extra effort of pulling out the extra China or whatever. I'm a plate and glass freak. So I I love it. And to me, that's a joy. Um, But I think again, there's that message that this is for you too. This is a special table. You're special, even though it's a Tuesday or whatever, or not a holiday. I think that's a very strong message. Uh, Thank you for telling me that because my China is sitting with the little styrofoam pieces in between it and we pull it out. Yeah. Just at the fancy holidays. Why not? Why not bring it out more? Right. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I think there's, if you go to an estate sale or if you go to a thrift store, it's full of unused China. It is full of Mm. glassware. It's full of stuff. So first of all, don't buy new ever, right. Go to it. There's so much used stuff for cheap. That's gorgeous. That's number one. But number two, it's just an indicator that this stuff goes unused and people die. And like, I think we got to use our stuff 
and saving it up, saving it up, saving it up. I also think it sends a message that the mundane and the everyday, we're just kind of blowing through this to get to the Christmas, the holiday, the Christmas party, the cocktail party, the dinner party with adults, you know, but I, I'm not, blo- I don't want to blow through. I, you know, w- and during COVID I'm like, we could all die of COVID. So let's use the China. And I know, <laughs> I know that's like <laughs> dramatic, but like I said to my husband, like it could, so we're going to use this China. We're going to use the, we're going to bring it out. Like it's come on. Yeah, no, it's, you're exactly right. It's like a metaphor for everything you are teaching us about our homes is why keep the beautiful stuff for other people, make your own beauty in your own home, the way that it fits for you guys. It doesn't have to be for everyone else. Use it for your own family. Ah, I just keep saying it, but Paige, I'm just so happy you're here. I'm glad I met you and I'm so happy to introduce you to our together circle of families and just be able to give every mom sitting here the confidence to be building her home the way she wants without the pressure of the Pinterest board she has sitting there that she probably hasn't pulled up those pins in forever, but she wants to do them. (laughs) But, you know, like, Let's let's take the pressure off ourselves and focus on those four walls for our own family, not for everyone outside of those four walls. And I, I know I need to do it for myself as well. I can get stuck in that. Sometimes when I go to someone's house and I start the comparison or whatever it is. Paige, tell everybody how they can connect with you, follow you, buy your books, and any resources that they can go grab from you right away. So I spend way too much time on Instagram. You can find me there. It's at page Ryan and Ryan is spelled weird, spelled R I E N. And, um, I have two books. I have love the house you're in, which I, we talked about a little bit. Um, and I have revived and renovated. They're both available, available on Amazon revived and renovated. I co-authored with Victoria Durstock and it is really a conversation, which we've touched on that the spiritual life and the, the, the journey of making a home, there are so many parallels and it's worth looking at both and it's worth working on both, right? Like we can't just work on one and not the other. And I think there's, there's, there's joy in seeing that. So that's, uh, that was a wonderful project to be part of and everything's available on Amazon. And I would just love to hear from people. I love questions. I, this is my favorite topic. Um, so if people have questions, I want to reach out, DM me and, and fire away. Thank you, Paige, for being here. Thank you for sharing your gifts of, and your journey through life and, and faith and recovery, and especially just building our homes as a domestic church. Thanks for being here. You're welcome. If you love what you're gathering through these episodes, please screenshot, tag us, share with friends, and leave a review. It is the best compliment you can give us. It is so encouraging, and together we can help grow stronger families. Be sure to follow us at Together Moments on Instagram and Facebook. Leave us a DM. Check out all our incredible games and tools and your free family resources at togethermoments.com. As always, take time to gather together to grow and speak the words that matter.